what he did on the cross it's enough if he never blesses you with more money if he never heals your body again if he never gives you a new job can i tell you what jesus did on the cross two thousand years ago is enough because what he did he paid for the penalty of our sins so that we can spend forever with him he shed his blood and that ought to be enough for us to say god i don't want more stuff i want to know where you live i want to sit down with you and get to know you and have a relationship with you welcome to the hacker podcast my name is greg hackathon i hope you all are doing well it's been great being back in church this past month in Sydney. And now with the restrictions easing, I'm able to do more in-person conversations with those who live in the area, which I prefer. Today's episode is one that I've been looking forward to sharing with you all for a while now. I was able to sit down with my pastor, who just so happens to be my favorite preacher, and talk to him all about preaching. We, in this conversation, cover how to put a sermon together, tips that will help you develop your preaching, resources he uses, who his favorite preachers are, and much more. Before we get to the conversation, I want to encourage you to share this with a friend if you get something out of it, and allow it to bless them as well. This is a great resource for those who feel the call to preach. So if you know someone who feels the call to preach and is developing uh, their preaching uh, ability, then I would highly recommend that you share this with them. Also, if you have time to rate and review the show where you listen to it, I would greatly appreciate that as it provides me feedback and it makes it much easier for new listeners to discover the show. Now, with all of that taken care of, let's get to my conversation with Pastor Stan Harvey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor. Thank you, Brother Greg. It is an honor to be here with you and, and to be part of this podcast again. So happy to have you back. Uh, for those of you who may have missed the first time he was on, uh, that's found in episode nine. If you want to listen to Pastor's story and uh, get to know him a bit more, his background, his calling, that was a really cool episode. Heaps of people have talked to me about how much that has blessed him. Amen. Well, it was, you know, uh, really... Uh, quite a refreshing thing, you know, having sort of revisited my my past and, and you know, the things that uh, I had gone through as a, as a young Christian. Uh, so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. And, um, yeah, I've also enjoyed the other um, uh, episodes that you've had in your podcast, so it's been great. Yeah, we've, we've had a, a bunch of different type of people on, which is really cool. And uh, that, that's been exciting for me to talk to these different people, get to know a bit more about them and just seeing how diverse the body of Christ is and, and how like all these different stories where people coming from different walks of life and you know some people raised in church, some people like yourself coming in teenage years, people receiving their calling at a really early age, like someone like Chris Green, and then you know someone who later in life is fulfilling their calling like Sister Marquez, she was telling us. So yeah, it's been really cool getting to talk with, with these people and um, 
just grateful to have you back on. So uh, we're not really going to be talking about your story, but uh, we wanted to have you on to talk about preaching. Mm-hmm. You're my favorite preacher. Uh, I think if you're a good Christian, your pastor is typically one of your favorite preachers, but I'm blessed that I'm not doing that just out of loyalty, but I believe that you're a very good preacher and and people agree with me because you get invited to preach all over the world and all over the region. I know you're loving this, really enjoying <laughs> me talking about this, but... I'll pay you later. <laughs> it's just important to mention it, I think, because it just goes uh, goes to further show, you know, what you have to share with us on this topic. And uh, so I've had a few of the other guests talk to us about preaching a little bit, giving them an opportunity to share. But I really wanted to dive into it on this episode, learn more about your preaching, your process, uh, and just advice that you would give to pre- people who are developing in their preaching ministry. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother Greg. I appreciate the kind words. And and I suppose that uh, as a young Christian coming to church at the age of 19, never hearing Pentecostal preaching before. And when I first heard preaching, you know, from my pastor and from other guest preachers, um, it really had a massive impact on me. I've never heard the Word of God delivered in such a powerful way, in such a real and relevant way, um, that it didn't left such an indelible mark on me that, that I wanted to, when I felt the call of God, I wanted to do the same. I wanted to make sure that when I'm standing to represent God and speaking of His Word, that, that it was the best of my ability in, in the way that I communicate, in the way that I structure the messages, and how I connect with, with the, the people, the, the congregation. And so it's, it's been a lifelong sort of pursuit for me, a passion, a desire to want to be the best that I can. And of course, again, I'm also a, a fruit of, of my pastor before me, Brother Slack, and sitting under his ministry for many years, over many, many years, receiving teaching, impartation, revelation. That's made me the, the minister and the person that I am today. And so I wanted to emulate that mm. to the very best of my ability. And, uh, and so I, since day dot, and I, I don't consider myself to, have, to be necessarily accomplished a status, I don't think, and I'm glad that uh, our Pentecostal church is not, you know, structured that way that, you know, here's the best and so on. But we do recognize gifting. We do recognize ability in people. And that's where, you know, we try to channel people to where they're called to, to the gifting and the, the ability that they have to, to a specific role. Right. To particular tasks. And so um, it is something that I'm still learning and developing, but there are some principles that I've learned to use in my life and that have worked in my ministry as I've sort of employed these these methods. Um, and so I think the, the first place to start, obviously, is, you know, what do I preach? Mm. You know, I guess, how do I know what to preach? And uh, I think... Um, and I've read many books and listened to a lot of other teachers. And I can confidently say that this is a struggle that every preacher has. Um, whether you are a um, you know, seasoned preacher who's been preaching for a long time to uh, you know, someone who's just starting off in the ministry, I think we all continually struggle with you know, this, this idea of this task of what, what am I going to preach? What am I going to preach next Sunday? Um, and for some of us, at times, that's a, a week-long struggle leading up to Sunday, even all the way up to Saturday night. You know what we would what we call the Saturday night special, <laughs> where 
all week we've been praying and fasting and asking God to give us a word and give us a message. And, um, you know, sometimes we expect God to kind of just burn it like, like fire or like a laser in our minds and our hearts to know exactly what we're going to preach during that week. And, and so waiting for that, it doesn't happen until you get to the Saturday night. And then that's when we're forced to say, okay, here, I've got to have something tomorrow morning. And so I've got to get that. And so obviously that's, that's the first uh, aspect of, of being able to know what to preach is obviously the leading of the Spirit of God, that God would, would lead us and direct us as to what to say, what to preach. And we find that oftentimes in our private times, in our personal prayer life, our, our devotional uh, period with God, you know, in our, in our private prayers. And God would often give me uh, thoughts and ideas from His Word, just maybe thoughts and impressions in my heart that I begin to recognize as the still small voice of God. But I'll be honest with you that that's not always, as, as I said, emphatically clear throughout that, that time. I'm praying and fasting, and yet doesn't see, nothing seems to, to be jelly. But on oftentimes, oftentimes it does occur that I hear the voice of God. Uh, secondly, and again, I'm speaking from the perspective of a pastor. Right. It may be different for an evangelist. Uh, it may be different for one of our, our leaders, perhaps who's doing a teaching or something like that. And maybe they're given a specific topic to teach, like communion or to undertake communion or to, to teach on, I guess, new life stuff, like the discipleship lessons. Uh, but as a pastor, uh, one of the other things that I look at is I look at what are the, the sort of current or presenting needs in the church. Okay, so if I'm, I'm sensing that there's issues in the church, for example, like with family problems or uh, issues with commitment, people are starting to, you know, um, wane in some of their commitment with, with attendance, with giving, um, then I will start to maybe look at um, addressing and, and speaking in those areas. And also the, the current situation that we're, living, we're in at the moment, you know, where well, what's, what's going on in our world? So that can sometimes give me some direction and guidance as to what to address and what to preach. Uh, even though obviously in recent times with the pandemic or with being in lockdown, with, um, you know, if there's a, a kind of war going on, if there's problems with uh, unemployment in our community, whatever is kind of there. In other denominations, they often use a liturgical calendar. Okay. So they look at what, what are, you know, uh, key events in our calendar, for example, like Easter, Christmas, Pentecost Sunday, those things. So Father's Day, Mother's Day. Uh, and so those kind of events that can also guide what I'm going to minister on. And then even though that's the case, it is nonetheless just as anointed when God gives you a message that may be directed to a particular event or what's on the schedule, what's on the calendar, what's going on in, in the church. Uh, some people feel like, well, unless God burns it in your spirit, that it's like fire shut up in your bones, that somehow it's not going to be anointed, it's not from God. But I, I certainly, in my experience, in, in over many years of preaching as a pastor, I have had some anointed messages on Father's Day, <laughs> um, even on Mother's Day, on occasions I've preached a Mother's Day service. But... You know, the key is obviously trying to make sure you're ready for the, to hear the voice of God. You've, uh, you know, consecrated your life and you've done the best that you can in study, in prayer, and, and um, then you can, you know, go forth in, in confidence to preach what God has given you. 
I think it's a lot easier for those of us who don't preach that often to come up with a subject because God may have given you something two or three weeks ago and, and you just were waiting for the opportunity and then you get that opportunity. So yeah, this is definitely something, uh, what you're referring to is definitely something that would appeal to a pastor, I guess more predominantly, but it can, it can appeal to someone who doesn't preach that often as well, because, you know, just, I don't know about you, but as I've grown up in preaching, you know, there'd be times where I've got a message like, this is from God. I know this is from God. And then 10 minutes before I'm about to preach during worship, I'm looking around and it's like, no one, no one's going to get anything on this message. You know, it's like that self-doubt creeps in. But I guess that's where it's important, as you said, to have that time of fasting and prayer and be confident knowing that God has uh, given you a word. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, something that, that, you know, you always got to be open to that, that in the process that I have had occasion, not often that I, I felt like I had a message and I prepared it. And then as I'm leading up to the service, I feel like God's given me something else. And that felt a, a lot stronger. I think Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon uses an analogy where, you know, it's like when, when something gets you, when a scripture, when a verse of scripture, and of course, Spurgeon, and I've studied a lot of his, his writings. He says that um, he often preaches from the text, that he's an expository preacher, mm. that, that when, when a text, he goes through a lot of reading, and until the text gets him like the way that a, a hook will get onto a fish, the way that a text, your, your soul will get onto a text, and you can't let it go, that's when he knows that that's what he's got to preach. And I think, I think there's got to be an element of that. And I often won't rest from, from searching from preparing until I find like this message is really here. I, I've had occasions where I prepared a message and it's just, it wasn't in the core of my being. It just wasn't a deep sort of conviction. And then I felt like it, it kind of just grew to something that was much stronger, but I wait for that. Mm-hmm. I wait for that compulsion, if you will, or conviction before I get up to, to preach that message. So we're talking about your process. This is how you go about getting a sermon together to preach on Sunday. So this, you're talking about finding a subject. Where do you find your inspiration? So uh, obviously you're talking about prayer and fasting. That's important. Are there other areas where you find inspiration? I think you mentioned current events. Yeah. Well, Well, I think, you know, that the challenge for, for, especially for pastors who preach on a weekly basis is, I mean, obviously it's closely connected to the first question is, uh, you know, knowing and then trying to get that inspiration, that, that fire, if you will, like the fire shut up in your bones. And I often listen to other preachers. So even as a, as a preacher, especially, I need to be fed. And so my, my weekly routine often is on Monday mornings. The first thing that I do is, is log into one of our church services overseas, usually either in the U.S. or in Europe, uh, which is a day behind. So it often works in perfect timing that on Monday morning they'll, have, they'll be having their evening service or I will be watching uh, their, their recorded, delayed recorded uh, morning service. And so I kind of try to get a, a feeling uh, from that, from listening to other preachers, of course, reading other books, particularly Christian books written by um, Christians, you know, who are uh, well-known, Christians who are proven, who are, you know, as, as it were, maybe giants of the faith. And, and that are, you know, I will read often a lot of their writings, a lot of their sermons. So I, I derive a lot of uh, inspiration from them. And, um, and of course, uh, listening to podcasts as well, 
uh, from with other preachers. And then I'll share a little bit later on about what some, some of the resources that I follow and I use. Awesome. But uh, yeah. And so this is, so this is finding your inspiration, what to talk, uh, what to preach about. Now let's get into the nuts and bolts. How do you go about actually developing a sermon when you're developing a sermon? Where do you start? How do you go about doing that? Okay. So once I know the text and the, the, the verse of scripture that I'm going to preach from and the, the general idea. Uh, I then uh, read, once I get, I've had my text, I always start off with the text. I'll read the, the 10 or 20 verses before that and the 10 and 20 verses after that to get the context of that verse, of that text. I always want to make sure that I don't preach too much away or too, I, I want to preach within the context of that verse of scripture. Right. Unless of course it's more of a topical sermon. Uh, which I may just use a word from a text of scripture, but still I won't de delineate too far from the context of that. And so I begin by that, by, by absorbing as much of the, of the scripture as I can, reading up on it, uh, understanding the context. And, and so how we do that, of course, is uh, understanding who wrote it, who it was addressing to, what was the time period uh, that it was written in, what was the situation that in the context of that when it was written in, um, some of the New Testament uh, cross-references to give me a better understanding of what that verse of Scripture might be saying. So I'll go, go and look at other verses that may be connected to that, that are related to that, and, um, and then just try to, try to absorb as much of what is the writer trying to say, what is the message that he is conveying in that portion of Scripture before I go into construct, constructing the message. Um, Again, I, I can't remember if it was Spurgeon or I think it was maybe uh, Haddon Robinson who said that, that when you meditate on Scripture, when you're trying to understand it, it's like you're, you're, you're getting, you know, one of those orange wedges. You know, you cut an orange and, you know, in sport, you know, we, we give out the wedges just to after, you know, at halftime we suck on it. So he says it's like you suck on that orange so, so much, so hard until when it's, when you're done, there's only the white bit left of the orange peel. And, and that, that was the kind of the imagery that he shared about getting as much understanding out of that scripture as you can by reading it, studying it, meditating on it, and doing all that you can. And so once I've done that, and then I will, what I will do to get the message is I will isolate the dominant thought in that verse. Three. Okay, I will try to get what is the one main thought or one that, one, what they would call today in homiletics, the big idea. Right. What is the main big idea in, in this text that I want to dominate? I want to, I want to sort of, uh, the do dominant thought that I want to separate and isolate. And then I will put that in one sentence, one big idea sentence, a sentence that is complete and pregnant with, with, with substance and idea. And uh, it has to be uh, boiled down to one sentence. Okay. So, this is a, a discipline that I've tried to, that I've incorporated in my preparation of sermon that, that I've, I've put in to, to follow always, which is to put it down into one sentence. And so that, that's called a, is that a propositional statement? Yes, a propositional statement, uh, a thesis, a big idea. Um, that's what uh, Had Robinson calls a, a proposition or, or a thesis. And so to me, that is the hardest part of the process. That is the, the most time consuming. That is the most mentally challenging. 
a process of it, the whole thing is to try and get it into that one sentence. And of course, that's based out of the idea that um, the most effective sermons are those that are, are a lineal in that there is only one dominant thought. And, and he would often say, Had Robinson would say, if your, your congregation could only remember one sentence from your sermon, and remember that most people's memories listening to sermon, they, they can only remember bits and pieces at most. And if there's one sentence that they could go home with, what would that sentence be? And so that is what I, I try to do in, in that uh, thesis or in that propositional statement is to boil it down to one sentence. And so once I have that, then I could start to uh, create the rest of the structure. But uh, how you come up with that sentence, there is a process to that as well how you come up with a propositional statement. And Haddon Robinson, here's a book that I would recommend. It's called uh, Biblical Preaching yeah. by Haddon Robinson. I think I read that one in my intro to preaching class back at Gateway Days, Christian <laughs> College. Uh, yes, so you would remember that how he comes up with a propositional statement is basically you got to have a subject and a compliment. Mm -hmm. Or to, to, make it, to make it clearer to, to our hearers, uh, a, a question and the answer, okay? So the, the way you come up with a propositional statement is you ask the question of what the text is saying, and then you provide the answer. So for, he, he gives an example in his book here, uh, in, in the book of uh, Habakkuk, we, in chapter one, verse five to verse seven. Um, so the question is, or the subject is, how will God bring judgment on Judah? And so the, the answer or the co compliment is, according to that text, is that God will use the wicked Babylonians to punish the people. Okay, so your, your propositional statement is the subject or the question and the answer put together, in a sense. So the, the idea is, or the proposition is, God will use the wicked Babylonians to punish his people. Okay, so the, the, your proposition should start off by asking a question of what is the text saying? And then you have to bring a, the compliment or the answer. This, the text is saying this and that. And then so that furnishes your proposition. Hmm. Okay. It, it's a little bit complicated in the beginning, but, but after a while, once you start doing it, that, you know, once I started doing it a lot more, I was able to get used to that, that process. And this has helped me every single week when I have to prepare a, a new message. There's a, number of young men in our church that structured their sermons very similar to you, obviously from your teaching over the years. So yeah, just because it might be a little daunting at the beginning, you know, you will get the hang of it. You'll get used to it. I'll actually um, put a link to, it should be on Amazon. So I'll put a link to where they can get that book on Amazon uh, in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can find it there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from then on, I, I would, after um, my propositional statement, that I will just begin the process of, of, of writing out the sermon. And I'm a manuscript writer, so I write pretty much word for word. And, and the ideal, what's, what's often recommended, the ideal is that you write out your manuscript early in the week of what your message is. And then later on in the week, like a Thursday or a Friday, you don't take your manuscript on the Sunday, right? When you go, go up to the pulpit, you don't take your manuscript. But on the, later on in the week, you, you transpose the, the manuscript into uh, dot points. Mm -hmm. Okay, The manuscript is designed to help you to put your sentences together so that it makes sense. 
And it also helps to commit to, to memory about what you're going to say. And the reason why they don't recommend you take a manuscript is because you'll, you have a tendency to read it once you're up on the pulpit. Right. And to start reading your notes, it's, it's not, you kind of lose the audience that way. You, you lose that connection with the hearer. And so that's why the, that's recommended. But I'll be honest with you, I often don't have time <laughs> to transpose from manuscript to dot points. And I'll often take the manuscript up with me. But I, I guess I've learned over the years not to get stuck to my notes. Right. Um, and I, I just I would just read some sort of the, the verses of scripture and some of the key points that I may need to refer to that I will read. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're gonna read, here's another tip: you know, don't read it like it's you're reading it for the first time. Preach it while you're reading it, mm. and that can make the difference. Oh yeah, yeah, big difference. I mean, I know uh, saying when I was in Bible school, that's what they suggested was to write it out and then do the the notes. Obviously from the same guy I had rums and and I've never done that. I've always I've always preached manuscript. I tried doing it and it just didn't work for me. But your your second example is uh, very important. I read it four or five times at least, four or five times before I get up there. And and even um, before I preach, I'll read it two or three times mm-hmm. l- like moments before I'm preaching. You know, so I know it's there. Uh, and so if I looking down at something, I know roughly what it's saying without having to have my eyes glued to the iPad or to the notes. Yeah, it's uh, very good. Yeah, uh, make sure that you have read through it so you're not um, constantly just reading it. Exactly. And, and then from then on, I suppose I start to, to or fill out, I start to do the body. And, and it's important to have a structure. You've got to have a structure. And it, without a structure, it's like the difference between a jellyfish and 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 an actual fish. Mm. Jellyfish is just blob. There's no there's no skeletal, uh, you know, framework, and so it, it's it's not a very substantial thing. Whereas a fish has at least skeleton, and it's big and strong, and you know has meat. And so a structure provides um, your message with a, a skeleton, a framework, and and this is also important not only for you to be able, you know, for the preacher to be able to put. Uh, follow a, a method or structure so that you could have some kind of flow, but people also process information in a structured way. Mm. Okay, so your hearers will, will, will follow you. If you're just rambling on about everything and anything, you're going to lose the hearers. Right. But if there's a structure, like you, you start, you begin by opening up or reading a scripture, you share your title, and then you have an introduction that, that starts off, you know, on an emotional level, quite quite neutral, and then you build up to where you present your, uh, your, your um, proposition. And there, there's, a, there's a structure that people are following, and, and most of those that are part of our church have, knows, is familiar with the structure that I use, is a st- text, title, and then I begin my introduction that slowly builds up into the proposition. So I begin by putting my introduction in. But the introduction, sometimes I find it very hard to find something that's engaging. Mm-hmm. Okay, so always remember that, that if you're going to have a, an introduction, it doesn't have to be where you knock the ball out of the park immediately. And it doesn't have to be very long, no longer than five to seven minutes. Right. But it should be something that would capture the attention immediately of hearers. Something where you, you kind of build a bridge to where their mentality is at. And so... It could be something that's going on in society right now. 
It's something that they can relate to. And so I must admit that's not always easy to do. And sometimes what I, I, I find myself forced to do is simply begin with a proposition, begin with, with the statement of my message, that one statement, that one sentence, and I'll begin to, to start my, my preparation notes on that. And once I get a flow on that, then I often go back to my introduction. And here's another tip for an introduction, is since your proposition is the thesis, then your introduction should be the antithesis. Okay. Okay? So it's often the, like, if, if your proposition is the good news, then in, in a more simplistic way to say it, your, your introduction should be the bad news. Mm. Okay? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So the bad news of, you know, what's happening. So if, you're, if your uh, proposition is, for example, what I just preached last Sunday, uh, that, that God will restore the years that the locust has eaten. So the introduction could often be something, something relatable, the story of how uh, we have lost years, hmm. you know, living uh, in sin, our dead years, years that we lost doing nothing spiritually productive, doing nothing for God. And so you could begin by that, and then you bring your, your, uh, your thesis, which is that God promises to restore those years. If you come to him, if you come to give your life to God, he'll, he's a restorer of those years of productivity, of fruitfulness, whatever it is that we didn't have in those years. And so that's where you begin, you, you present your, your, your proposition. And then from that, uh, after you present your proposition, well, it's only been 15 minutes. You know, we're almost done. We can go home. <laughs> well, then after that, then you have to uh, bring what we call a, a subdivision. You would add what Donald Miller says, uh, the points or subdivisions of that sermon, but still it's connected to your proposition. It's reinforcing. It's reinforcing it, but you're sort of breaking it down into more bite-sized uh, ideas or thoughts or subjects. And so from there, uh, I would maybe no more than three, three subdivisions, sub subplots, or uh, other sub-propositional points that all points back to the main proposition. And then obviously the ending, which has probably been my biggest struggle in sermon prep is the ending, is to close it off. And again, uh, you know, you don't want to preach too long. For us here, it's usually 45 minutes to 35 minutes would be ideal. And then the last five minutes, you close it off with an appeal. Okay. And preaching should be preaching for a movement. You're preaching for a response. And when I say response, I don't mean like people calling out amen or standing up or shouting. Even those, those are good things. You know, you can tell whether people are, are responding to the message by how they're responding in the audience. They're engaged. They're engaged. Uh, but it's a response in the sense that the, your, the message should always involve them doing something, mm. taking them from point A to point B in their spiritual journey. Uh, not just to tickle their ear, not just, I mean, you know, Maybe it's just to make a deeper commitment. Maybe it's just to pray more. Maybe it's just to, to you know, give their life, you know, more in surrender to God. Because it's, you know, sometimes it's got to, some of your messages may be more doctrinal, mm -hmm. more, be more instructional, but it still should have some kind of movement right. in yeah. their spiritual walk. Yeah, there should be some type of transformation. We're preaching for people to be transformed, not uh, just so they can hear information. You know, exactly. they can get that through a podcast. <laughs> I don't have to come to church on Sunday, you know, so uh, the spirit of God is there. The, the people of God are there. And so, yeah, we want to see transformation take place. No, 
I think despite the subject that you preach, I, I, you know, I just was listening to a sermon, Brother Harold Hoffman. He's one of, uh, one of my favorite preachers and he was preaching about Jesus and, you know, I've grown up in church, so I know a lot about Jesus and he's doing like this five part series. Well, the first part, he's just introducing it and, uh, it was a good message, but he was talking about Jesus, talking about Christology. It wasn't like something like what you preach on Sunday where you're talking about restoration, restore. So there's a key spot where people are going to respond. People need restoration. He was just simply preaching about Jesus, but still made sure that there was an altar call, made sure there was an opportunity for people to respond because you never know who's there and you never know, hey, if this is their last opportunity to be there, we've got to preach for transformation. Absolutely. And I, I listened to that same message, actually, and, and other, Brother Hoffman is one of my favorite preachers. And, and actually, it, it really um, drew me into to thinking more deeply about Jesus, you know, and, and he did, it, it made me, even though, yeah, it was more sometimes informational uh, rather than inspirational. Right. Um, yet it, it, it deepened my understanding and, yeah, it made me want to talk to Jesus more. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, learn more about Jesus, what some things that we may have taken for granted or are not dug into well enough. Well, that's, you developed your sermon. What are some resources? You've already recommended biblical preaching by Haddon Robinson. What are some other resources that you'd recommend for sermon preparation, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, one of my favorite books that uh, early on as, as a, a leader developing into ministry that changed my life was Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon lived in the 1800s. He was a, a Baptist pastor in uh, London, pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he wrote this book for his students. He ran a Bible school for ministry. And it is incredible how detailed he is in this book. It's, it's like a textbook. Hmm. But it goes into from the practical aspects of, of how to even has drawing, draw diagrams, drawn diagrams of how to conduct yourself, your body posture, your hand movements when you're well, preaching. Um, and, and, you know, it goes into obviously the, the, the preacher's uh, private prayer life, the preacher's public prayer life. Um, the preacher talks about the, one of the, one of my favorite chapters is called uh, the preacher's fainting fits. And, and that's a, a weird kind of title, but what he's talking about is when preachers go through bouts of depression. Okay. And, and I think, I think a lot of preachers go through this because especially when you're preaching, when you're ministering, you, you expend a lot of what he would call spiritual energy. Mm. And, and there we are, there, there's a, a, a liability oftentimes in preachers to go through bouts of, of being downcast, being depressed. And so he covers that and to how to get your sermon, how to, to can deliver your voice, how to look after your voice. And, and lectures to my students literally changed my life. And I still read it today. And I would recommend any young preacher uh, to, to have that in their library. Of course, um, Biblical Preaching by Haddon Robinson, I think one of the most practical and, and one of the best books on preaching as far as putting structure together. Uh, we Preach by Jerry Jones. He is one of my favorite preachers. And uh, he, that's an excellent book uh, on preaching. Life Preaching, which is uh, by McClintock, I think, again, one of our PPH, and he has different preachers on there. And one of the other books, um, that I recommend is Preaching That, that Connects by Mark Galley. <laughs> Preaching That Connects. He uses journalistic techniques to structure or to use in, in, in delivering a message. 
And particularly in this day and age, you know, where um, there's a lot of multimedia available and the younger generation are relying heavily on multimedia, I think this is something that every preacher should do to reach the younger generation. I think your generation is very good at that in, in, in using other means, you know, imagery, um, you know, title pages of excellent. Uh, and so those are the main books that, that I would recommend. And then there are podcasts as well. I, I don't have too many good preaching podcasts that I follow. I, I just listen to, to other preachers. And I think I've learned so much from just listening to other preachers in, in sort of learning their style and what they do and some of the things that they they incorporate as part of their, their usual mode of, of delivery. Mm. And, and whether uh, deliberately or unwittingly, I've learned to absorb some of their techniques and some of the ways that they convey. Uh, there's a, a podcast that I recommend called Truth Radio. Oh, yeah. It's got all apostolic preachers on there uh, a lot, you know, from Anthony Mangan to uh, Billy Cole, whatever. And, and that's a really good one. That's an app, isn't it? The, it's an app. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah it's you know, they've got okay. podcasts inside the app. I think we're actually in that one. I think we're in that one. We are in podcast. that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, and, but I don't really listen to other preaching podcasts as it were, but a lot of leadership podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, resources that you use in study? Like say this would be, so you shared resources that you would use for, I guess, learning how to preach. Right. Uh, do you have any resources that you actually use during the week when you're studying? Like, yeah. is there anything that you fall back on? Well, I, of course I use a, a good Bible, uh, Bible app or, or program on your computer, like Word or eSword, those are invaluable. You know, I, I use them all the time to, to do word studies. And of course, the beauty about eSword is it's free. It's usable. You have an Apple version, so you can use it on an Apple devices. And it's, it's free. You just got to keep downloading the different books, Bible dictionaries, uh, concordances to do the word studies and the Greek and the Hebrew, which gives you a deeper uh, sort of insight into the text that you're studying. Uh, you can add common commentaries there by, by the, the old, old Christian commentators like Adam Clark, Albert Barnes, uh, Jameson Fawcett and Brown, Matthew Henry. Mm. All of these ones are really, really helpful in being able to t study text. But, but aside from that, uh, I don't really have any other sources. Uh, I look at Brother Woodwards. He's got a page with a lot of his sermons on there. And I've gotten a lot of ideas from here that we used to have preachit.org yeah, uh, that I used to use quite a lot, which I don't use very much nowadays, but I think they're still around. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've, they've got a lot of good things. So if you're looking for uh, some information, topic, uh, but there is a subscription that you've got to pay to be able to access um, their servants. So that's about it. I think that's all I use. No apostolic study Bible? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I use the Apostolic Study Bible, um, and that's, uh, you know, that's why I have that on my bedside. Yeah, I'm questioning your commitment to the doctrine. <laughs> and yeah, they're great. But again, it's limited. It you is know? limited. It's yeah. limited. There's only so much that you can read from there. Yeah. But you know what I try to do? And here's the deal. Uh, before you go into commentaries and before you go into other resources, get as much as you can from your own thinking and your own meditation first. It's a bit like when, when I first started train, go into the gym, uh, somebody said, well, don't get supplements straight away. Um, get as much as you can just from your normal sort of nutrients and from the food that you eat 
And then when you hit a limit with your, your lifting or something like that, then you add the supplements. Mm. So it's the same with, with uh, study. Get as much as you can from your own study. Don't let others influence you straight away with their thoughts, but see what God would give to you in your, in your context. But then you have to look at what others say so to make sure that you're on the right track because you could be studying a wrong, a wrong idea. So you mentioned a few throughout this conversation, give you an opportunity to list a bit more. I think you mentioned Jerry Jones, uh, Harold Hoffman, Raymond Woodward. Are there any other preachers that you would recommend us listen to or watch? Yes, yes. And, and, and I'll, I'll say why, why I listen to them and what are the, the key things that they, the characteristics and traits that they have. Uh, Jerry Jones, if you want to listen to somebody who's, again, anointed, powerful, it'll speak to you. But also, if you want to look at structure, sermon structure, at voice uh, inflection and projection, mm. at uh, being homiletically sound, Jerry Jones is one of my favorite preachers. He's so easy to listen to, so easy to follow, and he'll inspire you, and he's got depth with his message. Jeff Arnold, uh, if you, again, you want depth of understanding a scripture and uh, a very engaging way of communication, Jeff Arnold is, is the man. You know, he's got just a revelation and understanding and study of scripture like nobody else. Uh, when it comes to passion and evangelism, Anthony Mangott, mm. uh, none more passionate that will stir you to reach this world. And of course, he, he's, a, he's a very gifted speaker. Uh, when it comes to faith and the supernatural, the likes of Lee Stone King, Billy Cole, Mark Morgan, Eli Hernandez, these guys are, are gifted in, in the gifts of the Spirit, Doug Kleindetz. Uh, when it comes more to pastoral preaching, uh, Stan Gleason is one of my favorites. Mm. Tim Gaddy, again, one of my recent favorites. Um, and, and other pastors and teachers, more teaching, but, but also very powerful and, and effective communicators are, are Raymond Woodward and Rodney Shaw, two of my favorite teachers and just very, very engaging. I like to listen to younger preachers as well, powerful anointed, like Josh Carson. He's one of my favorites. Victor Jackson, Chris Green, uh, Tyler Sullivan, who was here recently. I, mm. I heard him recently, but Gleason's Church, powerful preacher, and he can sing as well. So uh, I, I listen. I mean, I could go on and on about different <laughs> names, and I, I usually limit myself to apostolic preachers uh, because we have the same kind of mindset. But, but I sometimes listen to other preachers from other denominations as well. And just, just for their, you know, thoughts and ideas, I, I like to listen to T.D. Jakes, even though I don't always believe in, in, you know, everything that he believes, but he is a, a, one of those effective communicators that I often get a lot of stuff from him as well. That's about all I would name <laughs> who I would listen to that's outside of the apostolic uh, um, realm. But if you go to Truth Radio, it's got a whole litany of, of Preachers that I've never even heard of, and I started listening to them, and I think they're just absolutely just some amazing preachers. Jason Sisko mm. um, is one of my favorites from, from you know times past. Of course, Harold Hoffman is a mainstay, and and many others. Yeah, I like you. I just love good preaching, and so yeah, I can go on and on about uh, all the different preachers that that you could listen to, that you can, and we can learn from everybody. That was one thing that was taught to me in uh, Bible school when we were doing our introduction to preaching, uh, intro to preaching course, was that you can get something out of every sermon. Absolutely. Even if, you know, you don't rate the preacher, even if you don't think that they're 
put together in their delivery and so on, you can still get something out of the message. So, and, and that's an approach I've always tried to take when I'm in church is that what does God want to say to me? And then, you know, there's many times I've seen Brother Woodward at our turning point, someone else will be preaching and he's just there typing away because God's given him revelation and given him, uh, given him things that he could maybe later use, you know, even during a sermon. Absolutely. What are some tips that you would give a young preacher? So we've gone through talking about your process, putting a sermon together. Do you have any like specific tips that you would give someone who is new to preaching or, or developing in their preaching ministry? Yes. And, and before I answer that, though, I do also want to say one of the preachers I enjoy listening to is some of our younger preachers, some of you guys, you, uh, Brother Greg, uh, Brother Sam, you guys are, are gifted. You guys have an ability. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, to <laughs> so that you can invite me back in your podcast. <laughs> Uh, the, we, we are blessed with this next generation. You guys uh, really got an ability to preach. But here's some of my tips. I think you've already mentioned it um, with what Brother Woodward does, is to always have handy with you a, a notepad or your phone and what, whatever thoughts that come to you, whether it's a thought for a sermon, whether it's a, a particular perspective on a, a verse of Scripture, write it down. Mm. Okay, always be ready to write it down. Or if you're driving, do it on your, your voice memo on your phone to say it so that you can record it somewhere. Have a diary, have a book handy. What I do, I use my, my uh, iPad and my laptop. I've got, I've got a page always on my desktop, uh, simply called Thoughts and Sermon Ideas. So if I get a thought from somebody's sermon that I'm listening to, I will jot it down straight away. Okay, so be in the habit of doing that. And, and here, I want to share the three habits that I got from, from lectures to my students by, by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, scripture meditation. Okay, be in the Bible every day. Hmm. Okay, think of Scripture, think on Scripture every day, number one. Number two, read. Preachers are readers. Right. Okay, read books by great minds, by great thinkers, by great Christians. Be reading all the time. And uh, number three, train yourself. Number three, train yourself in text getting and sermon making. Never waste a minute of time, but always be ready, as I said, to note down every thought in a notebook or a laptop. Uh, if it's a sermon illustration, maybe it's a, a thought for a title. Oh, that's a cool title. Mm. Write it down. And it may be, make sure that it's a catchy title. And so, um, you know, we as, as creatures, often we, we will forget. We, you know, we had a great sermon of thought, or even when you had a dream from God, when you wake up and think that's really profound, that would be great to share. Write it down. Have something on your bedside because I guarantee you in the process of your day, you've forgotten what that was. Mm. You've forgotten that, what that thought was. And so be ever ready to put it down and to write it down and always be looking out for servants. Here's what, what Spurgeon said. He said, always be thou, O man of God, foraging for the pulpit in all provinces of nature and art storing and preparing at all hours. Hmm. So throughout your day, you're constantly foraging. You know, I watched a, a, doc, you know, a series recently, a documentary on, on history. It, it's called Alone. Okay. Okay. Alone, it's, it's where 10 contestants go out into the middle of the bush by themselves with cameras and they got to record everything that they do. They only have 10 items, they got to survive. And the person to tap out last wins half a million dollars. This is in North America, the United States, Canada. And so they were in the middle of the wilderness with grizzly bears everywhere. 
and they have to literally survive, create, uh, you know, for, you know, some of them survive for 70 to 80 to 90 days without um, anybody in contact. And they have a satellite phone that if they can't handle anymore, that they will yeah. call tap out. <laughs> and, and for some of them, all they do is they build their shelter. Once they build their shelter, they're constantly foraging for food. So if they can't get fish, if they can't get, they're foraging for berries because they literally lose almost 30 to 40% of their body weight because they've got nothing to eat. Oh, wow. and, and to the extent where they get a medical checkup, they come in, check up and see their vital signs. If their vital signs are too bad, they'll pull them out. They'll extract them and say, you're, you're too much of a health risk. Mm -hmm. But they're, every day, all they do is constantly foraging for food. And so in a way, a preacher's got to do the same. You're constantly foraging for, for thoughts. What is God trying to say? What is ideas? Always be open in your mind. I remember Pastor Jonathan Dallas was telling me one time he was with a preacher from the United States, and they were driving in Canberra, and then they pulled over, and he saw this sign. And, and, and then he said, he, looked, he read the sign and says, oh, what a great sermon title, you know, just from that sign. I can't even remember what the sign was, but, but, you know, in all of their interactions, it's constantly looking at sermon titles, sermon messages. And as a preacher, uh, that's what you need to do. I, I'll end with this, uh, with this, that, that, this particular question yeah. from four things really quickly. This is what T.E. Jack says as a preacher. Study yourself full. Think yourself clear. Pray yourself hot. And then when you come to the pulpit, let yourself go. Mm. Okay. That, that to me, I've, I've kept that in my notes. Always study yourself full, think yourself clear, pray yourself hard, let yourself go. Uh, I think that's kind of an adaptation of what Adam Clark says, the old uh, Bible commentator, Adam Clark. He says, study yourself to death and pray yourself back to life mm. for a preacher. That's good. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was Jerry Jones that said it in his book, or maybe I picked it up somewhere else, but it was... You know, you, you, like, like you said, you study yourself all the way through. And then, you know, what I pray before I get up to preach is, God, help me preach with passion and compassion. Amen. That I'm not just passionate and just going after people, but I'm, I'm preaching that with passion and love. Yeah, it's such tremendous advice. I, I think that was worth the price of admission, just that, that little bit on, uh, on young preachers that you just went through there. Um, well, I've really appreciated your time, taking this time to talk to us about preaching. I know it's something that you're very passionate about, and uh, we've been tremendously blessed at this church to be led by you over the last uh, 11 years or so as the the main pastor. Am I wrong there? Is that 12 years now? Uh, yeah, 12. 12 years, yeah. yeah. Like, this, year is like, yeah. this year feels like it's just been <laughs> gone, but yeah, we've been blessed by that. And obviously your influence from the pulpit has impacted uh, so many of us who are younger in ministry and wanting to preach, you know, we want to, we want to aspire to communicate the gospel, uh, as you present it to us each and every week. In conclusion, I'd like you to share a word uh, from the Lord with the listeners. I like to do this at the end of, uh, all my episodes as you know, since this is your second time on, but yeah, if you wouldn't mind giving us a word for the listeners, for those who have hung around to, to hear this entire episode. Amen. I want to take a thought from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
And just the contrast of that idea of this a heavenly treasure, of this power, this excellence of the power in this earthen, very ordinary vessel. And again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to refer back to, to Charles Spurgeon, who says, uh, for the preacher, uh, the gospel is the most precious thing that we have. It's like a, a diamond. The, the most precious stone in this world it is like a, a diamond. And so when uh, you get jewelers who take these in incredible stones that are so precious and so expensive, and, and they are to reveal the very every facet of that, that stone by, by, by cutting it, by making sure that, that it's been polished, it's been cleaned. And then they usually take that gem, that stone, and they put it on a setting. And he says, you will not take a diamond and you place it on uh, the most, something that is the most precious material on this earth to put it on the most uh, profane or, or, or cheap uh, element in this world. So like, for example, you wouldn't put a, a diamond on a setting of clay, mm. even though that's our text is about the earthen vessel, or you wouldn't put that diamond on a setting of grass or straw. But he said, you, gotta, you have to put it on a setting that is worthy of that, that stone. And the, the next best thing to that, of course, is the most precious uh, metal, which is gold. Mm -hmm. That's why you often find diamond set upon gold. And he's saying that the gospel is like that diamond and the setting is the preacher. And so the preacher must do all that we can. Yes, we are still earthen vessels. Here's where my analogy kind of fails. But, but as earthen vessels, we've got to be the best that we can. We've got to be the best uh, mode or platform or, or medium by which that the gospel can be uh, conveyed. That's why when, when you get an opportunity to preach to all preachers, when you have an opportunity, no matter how many years you've been preaching, whether you've just started preaching and you get an opportunity on a Friday night at youth or a youth Sunday or a midweek or a connect group, but um, remember that you have something that is so precious, this treasure this heavenly treasure. So what we have to do is make sure that we do all that we can to prepare ourselves, to pray, to seek God, make sure that there's no sin in our lives, to study, uh, put the hours in, put the energy in, the, the mental effort in, in trying to get a message and putting a structure that is, is, is easy to understand, that our hearers will be able to hear. And uh, uh, here, here's what, what Paul told Timothy. He says, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 20, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and of earth, and some of, to honor and some to dishonor. Mm. If a man therefore purge, okay, that means you, you've got to cut yourself, you've got to uh, narrow yourself, purge himself by studying, by putting in the hours of prayer and fasting, by, by putting in the, the mental energy and, and doing the work, study. When he purges himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. And so I want to encourage you today, those that are listening, there's a saying, why stoop to be a king when you could be a preacher? That's not demeaning the position of a king, but what that's revealing is the task of the preacher is the greatest task in all the world. It's the greatest message in all the world because it is the only message of hope. It's the only way that people will be saved is through the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And so we've got to dedicate our all. More than a professional sportsman will dedicate himself to 
to dunk a basketball or to cross at the trial line, the score try. They work hours every day to become the best. We've got something more than gold or trophies or money. We have the gospel of Christ, which is what the world needs. Not to put a name to ourselves, and not so that our name could be in a banner or in lights. It's so that the world that is lost, that is going to a devil's hell, can be converted. And, and what, what this gospel needs is what this gospel deserves. They deserve our very best. And so uh, let's do what we can. Be the very best to be meat for the master's use. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God.